Today's advanced training is a continuation from last week. We started last week talking about goals. Uh, part one uh, was, uh, was just the 10 steps to, to establishing your goals, kind of going through how I go through every year and kind of set goals for the new year. Um, and uh, this would be part two. So goals part two, grit, right? So this is the second part of our goals series, uh, and we've entitled this one Grit. Uh, there is a 12-item grit scale, and if you're jotting down notes, if you're online watching this, or if you're watching this later uh, on recording, uh, you can do screenshots of this, but uh, we're going to real quick go through this. Uh, I don't want you to spend a ton of time thinking about your answers, uh, but I do want you to answer these, these questions uh, and send me your answers, and I'll grade you for it. I'll, I'll let you know how gritty uh, uh, the test says you are, okay? So respond to these uh, following 12 items. Be honest, there are no right or wrong answers. Um, there are no right or wrong answers, there's your answer. Uh, one of the things I hate being said today is your truth, right? Now there's just truth, it's not your truth, it's not my truth, it's just truth. But um, this is your opinion. <laughs> this is what's real in your world, how you see things. So we'll go through it, um, you'll get the pattern uh, pretty quickly. First item on the 12 item grit scale, Number one, I have overcome setbacks to conquer an important challenge. If you're writing these down and you want to send me the answers, you could just write down number one and then put your answer beside it. You don't have to write that whole thing out for me. Uh, I, I know what these questions are. but uh, So I have overcome setbacks to conquer an important challenge. Your five choices are very much like me, mostly like me, somewhat like me, not much like me, not like me at all. So it's a, it's, a, it's a scale there, one through five. Very much like me, mostly like me, somewhat like me, not much like me, not like me at all. Okay, number two. New ideas and projects sometimes distract me from previous ones. New ideas and projects sometimes distract me from previous ones. Very much like me, mostly, somewhat, not much like me, not like me at all. Number three. My interests change from year to year. Very much like me, mostly like me, somewhat, not much, not like me at all. My interests change from year to year. I always hated tests like this, because how do you quantify, how do you, I, I, don't, I don't like being pigeonholed into very much or not like me at all, but we're asking you to do that for, your, for this, for this. You'll, you'll see, it's worth it. Number four, setbacks don't discourage me. Setbacks don't discourage me. Very much like me, mostly like me, somewhat like me, not much like me, not like me at all. Setbacks don't discourage me. Number five, I have been obsessed with a certain idea or project for a short time, but later lost interest. I have been obsessed with a certain idea or project for a short time, but later lost interest. Very much like me, mostly like me, somewhat, not much like me at all, not like me, excuse me, not much like me or not like me at all. Those two are very similar, but they are different. Number six, I am a hard worker. I am a hard worker, very much like me, mostly, somewhat, not much, not like me at all. Halfway through the test. Number seven, I often set a goal, but later choose to pursue a different one. 
I often set a goal, but later choose to pursue a different one. Very much like me, mostly, somewhat, not much like me at all. Excuse me, I keep saying that wrong. Not much like me or not like me at all. Number eight, I have difficulty maintaining my focus on projects that take more than a few months to complete. I have difficulty maintaining my focus on projects that take more than a few months to complete. Very much, mostly, somewhat, not much, not like me at all. Number nine, I finish whatever I begin. Very much, mostly, somewhat, not much, not like me at all. I finish whatever I begin. All right, here's the last three. Number 10, I have achieved a goal that took years of work. I have achieved a goal that took years of work. Very much, mostly, somewhat, not much, not like me at all. Number 11, I become interested in new pursuits every few months. I become interested in new pursuits every few months. Very much, mostly, somewhat, not much, not like me at all. And then number 12, I am diligent. Very much like me, mostly like me, somewhat like me, not much like me, not like me at all. It's important that you answer those honestly. Uh, don't answer them the way you think somebody thinks they should be answered, just, just the way you think they should be answered. That's the 12 item grit scale. So giving credit where it's due, I believe in doing that. I didn't make this stuff up. Uh, Angela Duckworth, a good friend of mine, uh, a few years ago, sent me an article on uh, Farnham Street blog. It's, you can go see their website out there. But uh, uh, back in February of 2014, an article, Angela Duckworth on why grit matters more than IQ. Uh, another article that came out uh, March of that year, a month later, Angela Duckworth on how to develop grit. Uh, if you want to go out there and do some searching and people say, where do I find this? Well, I, I tend to find it on Google. Um, <laughs> go to Google, type in some of this stuff and, and look at some of the links that pull up. Um, I, I didn't want to give you the web addresses. I want you to do a little work for it. Uh, but you can read those articles. There's also a book now that she's come out with called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Um, New York Times bestseller. Angela Duckworth is a phenomenal, uh, phenomenally brilliant woman. Uh, she teaches at Wharton School of Business at University of Pennsylvania. Uh, just a really, really awesome person. And she's really burst onto the scene with this whole understanding of grit. And I want to teach about grit today. Uh, and really, I, I hope I do her justice. I'm not giving you a book report. I'm not summarizing these articles. Uh, I encourage you to go read that. I'm just giving you my two cents on it, my, my brief on this. So what is grit? Well, uh, when we get in talking about grit, we first need to talk about the marshmallow test. Uh, back in the 1960s, this marshmallow test was originally done. They would, uh, and I'm going to show you a video of it being done currently. It's been redone. Uh, it is cute. Uh, but what they did was they, they would bring a kid in and they put a marshmallow in front of him. And they said, uh, if, if you don't eat this marshmallow while I'm gone, when I come back, I'll give you an additional one. You can have two. So you can eat this one now if you want to. But if you wait till I come back, I'll bring you a second one when I do, if you haven't eaten this one. Okay, that was the marshmallow test. Uh, they did it back in the 1960s, and they saw all kinds of things come from it. Uh, and they just, uh, this video is, is actually a, a reenactment, not a reenactment, they just redid the experiment, uh, and it is really cute. See if you can identify yourself uh, in this marshmallow test. All right, let's take a look at it.
chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. I'm gonna go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Uh, it smells really good. <laughs> She's gonna play with it. question in the room was do we know how many minutes I think it was around 15 minutes wow, that they had to sit there um, I don't know about the original experiment and, and that video obviously was edited down but did you see yourself in the video anybody see yourself in that video <laughs> I'm watching it thinking I want to take my kids through this real quick yeah, just to yeah. see how they do with marshmallows because I have a feeling at least one of them would be like that redheaded girl that the girl what the, the, the lady wasn't even out of the room but she's like nope <laughs> I'm done with that one so Observe different self-control techniques. In the original experiment, we also just saw them on that video, different self-control techniques, uh, hiding the marshmallows, right? Like uh, they, in, the, in the 1960s, in that experiment, they had kids actually hide the marshmallows somewhere in the room, so out of sight, out of mind. 
uh, some talked or sang to themselves. I remember seeing the, the twins were doing their little dance or whatever in that video, and, and that one kid, you know, doing his little thing. Some talked or sang to themselves, uh, covered their eyes. Again, out of sight, out of mind. I can't see it, and it must not be there. Uh, one took a nap. In 1960s, when they did that experiment, one actually just laid back and went to sleep thinking, it's the easiest way to ignore uh, that that thing is there. Uh, thinking abstractly about the marshmallows, they said um, that uh, in the 1960s, in that experiment, people, some of the kids were thinking that it was like uh, it's a pillow, and pillows taste terrible. So they started thinking abstractly about what it really was like, or that's a, that's a poop-flavored marshmallow, and it's going to be awful. It doesn't, you know, I'm just, they would think abstractly about that particular marshmallow. The problem with self-control techniques is that they only work when a child knows what he or she wants in the short term. For example, 15 minutes for a marshmallow. That's the problem with self-control techniques, okay? So, long-term pursuit requires two separate dimensions, motivation and volition, which is willpower and self-control. The short-term is, is easy. I mean, it, let's, let's, let's all, it, I'm, maybe not everybody has struggled like this, but I have, like, wait, talking about diets. Short-term, oh, it's easy for me to make a, a, eat a salad right now. Is it easy for me to eat a salad every day for the next 30 days? Nah, that's a little harder. So it takes long-term pursuit, requires these two separate dimensions of motivation and willpower. Each one is necessary to achieve long-term goals, but neither is sufficient alone. So if you're motivated to lose weight, uh, that's one thing. But if you don't have the willpower or self-control, then you're not going to make it. Or if you have the willpower or self-control, but you're not motivated to lose weight, then you're not going to do it either. So each one is necessary. They have to both be there. Grit. Here's the definition from the book. A passionate commitment to a single mission and an unswerving dedication to achieve that mission. A passionate commitment to a single mission and an unswerving dedication to achieve that mission. It is what helps us attain long-term results on abstract goals. It's what keeps us going. Grit is only faintly related to IQ. They, they, they saw that it wasn't really. I mean, you could have gritty people that didn't have a very high IQ, but what they did see when compared to others of similar IQ, those with higher grit scores lasted longer. They actually did it looking at GPAs, National Spelling Bee, West Point. Uh, they, uh, to get into West Point, which is a military academy, um, they, uh, they, Angela came in as a test with this grit, this grit scale, did the test, and um, it was actually better than the battery of exams that they take these cadets through when they're incoming as freshmen. It was better at predicting how well they were going to do at school and long term in their careers. It was better uh, predictor. And you get you, people getting into West Point, they all have very similar IQs, right? But they, what they found was the difference. The difference maker was that grit and how how likely you were to see something through to the end. Grit is passion and perseverance for extremely long intervals. So how to develop grit? If you took that test, it's, it's going to give you a score of one to five, five being the grittiest. Uh, and if you really want to try to cheat the game and cheat the, the scale, you can lie about some stuff and maybe you don't come out as gritty as you want to be, or maybe you can lie about it and come out gritty as, as you want to be. Um, but here's the thing with, with the, the self-assessments and, and all that sort of tests that are out there, and we've taken a ton of them and I teach a lot of them. The thing about it is it doesn't define you. It just describes you currently. Does that make sense? It doesn't define you. I've had people go through and they take the DISC test and they go, well, I'm a D. That's just, that's just how I am. I just had to act like that because I'm a D. Well, no, no. It, it, it's not an excuse for being a jerk. <laughs> it's not an excuse for not changing. It's just, it's just identifying where you're at. So no matter what your score was, you can even if you're a five, you can still get grittier. 
uh, you can still have longer perseverance. And so let's talk about how to develop grit. To become grittier, we should look at who is gritty and ask ourselves how they approach things and what they do. Um, this goes back to association. Hanging around gritty people will we'll make you grittier just by association. But be intentional in becoming grittier. When you, uh, if you take this test and let's say you're a one on the grit scale, you're the lowest end of it, uh, go find somebody who's four or five. I promise you, just like the, the name sort of implies, it might be a little uncomfortable <laughs> being around somebody who's gritty if you're not. Uh, it may like be like that sand at the beach that gets in places you don't want to talk about, right? That's, that's what that grit effect will have. It may rub you the wrong way, but the longer you're around it, you start observing things and go, well, that's something I can change. I could be a little bit like more like that, and I could do this. Um, it's, it's good to be around. It's also, uh, for example, like uh, Weight Watchers, for example, go back to losing weight. That's why Weight Watchers is so successful, because you're around other people that are encouraging you through the long perseverance. You're developing grit by going to those groups, right? So... <coughs> Uh, Angela Duckworth asked the question, what do Olympic athletes do with their time? How do they organize their lives and their days? I, I find Olympic athletes uh, interesting. N not, not, the, not the pro athletes that go over and play you know, sports for the Olympics. I'm talking about these people who have a shot once every four years uh, at, uh, at their craft. And they may not get that many shots. You know, Michael Phelps would be one. I heard he's coming back. For the next summer olympics like every every year is this is this his last one but he's like five olympics or something crazy like that but most people don't do that they got one shot maybe two uh but the dedication for four years mm -hmm. to to what you're doing every day you don't get a break uh you're working every day knowing that the the four-year mark is coming and every day it's another day closer and did you do what it take what it takes to get that gold medal uh, and so let's observe, what do Olympic athletes do with their time? How do they organize their lives and their, and their days? World-class experts do not just practice, but deliberate practice. Um, one of my favorite golfing stories was Tiger Woods. I, I, he was at the British Open. Uh, he was about 290 yards away from the hole. He was on a fairway bunker. So if you don't know anything about golf, he's about 290 yards away from where he's trying to get the ball and he's in a bad shape. Uh, his ball is in the sand, not on the grass. And uh, he pulls out a club. It's like, I don't know, 15, 20 mile per hour wind coming into his face. And he just strikes that ball, just smokes it, ends up like six feet from the hole. And, and everybody is stunned by this shot. And the two commentators, one was like, man, how lucky can you get? And the other commentator said, if you don't think he's practiced that shot a thousand times, you're nuts. He's the best in the world. And that's the only way you get there. I guarantee you, Tiger Woods has been in a, that bunker or one very similar to it and imagined this situation and, and had to play it out. And he's deliberately practiced that shot. Uh, golfers are ones that are, that are like that. They just deliberately practice this shot or that putt or this, this whatever. They're, they're constantly doing that. And they'll do the repetition of it. You see a lot of, a lot of pro athletes do that. But, you know, I, I, I've seen um, one of my favorite stories about Mr. Ziegler, uh, Zig Ziegler practicing his speech that he did for 40 years. Like, that's deliberate practice, even though he's good. He's good. He's so good, he didn't have to advertise. People came to him to come speak, but he still would practice that speech over and over. That's deliberate practice. They work on weaknesses and not strengths. Now, we often hear, ignore your weaknesses and focus on your strengths. Okay, well, listen, my weakness is golf. <laughs> I'm not working on golf. But in my strength, I there are going to be weaknesses in your strength. Does that matter? Does that make sense? Um, maybe... Uh, maybe you got to develop leadership skills or interpersonal skills, or maybe you got to get better at handwriting, right? Maybe that's writing apps. That's a strength of yours, but 
the weakness would be your handwriting needs to improve. So they work on weaknesses and not strengths. They fall down a lot. This is what Olympic athletes do, world-class experts. They, this is what the gritty really do. They fall down a lot. They don't care. They get back up. They know that falling down is part of the process. Remember when you learned to ride a bike? Falling down was part of the, the learning to ride a bike process. Going skiing, falling down is part of that process. Learning how to surf or skateboard. You're going to fall. It's going to happen. Uh, getting better. I mean, our kids play soccer. Watching them go out there, you're going to get hurt. It's a contact sport. You can't be afraid of that or you're going to get hurt worse. They play things that are too hard. You'll see a lot of, um, a lot of athletes play, uh, uh, will, will play in a, in a higher bracket. They'll, they'll play at a harder level. Uh, they call it playing up, right? Like we got some friends, uh, their son is an, uh, uh, born in 2008, but he's playing soccer with 2007 kids a year older. Why? Because it's harder. It makes him stronger. It's, it's, it's tougher competition. You see um, track athletes, anybody ever run track or see track athletes? They will run with parachutes behind them to slow them down. They will, they will run with pulling weights behind them when they run. I know when I was on a swim team in high school, uh, at practice, you wore a normal swimsuit. But then in the meets, you wore the Speedo. Well, normal swimsuit has more drag. It makes you work harder so that when you put on the Speedo, I never put on the Speedo, by the way. As a freshman in high school, I was like, it took me my whole life to grow this hair on my legs. I'm not shaving that either. <laughs> You're crazy. So I wore my, my soccer shorts when I did that. I just was a little more modest about it. But, um, but then when you actually go to that Speedo or you, you, you take the weights off when you're running, you go faster because you've built up the tolerance to something harder. They attempt challenges that are too high. They get feedback. That's a big one. That's a big one. These Olympic athletes have coaches. They're not doing it on their own. They have somebody else observing what's happening and giving them feedback on how to improve. Decide today to become grittier. Be a lifelong learner and decide to succeed. It doesn't matter what your track record says. It doesn't matter what your grit score says. What I'm telling you is today you can decide to be grittier. You know what? You know what? I I've constantly given up on stuff. Maybe that's your thought. I've constantly given up on this. I gave up on that. I gave up on school. I gave up on marriage. I gave up on my kids. I, I gave up. I gave up. But today, today I'm not going to give up. Today I'm going to see it through. This is an opportunity that we have landing right in your lap. Are you going to take advantage of it and see it through? Or is this going to be another story that you've got of, man, that was almost awesome. One day, someday, maybe. Decide today to become grittier. Just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, so that 20 years from now, you don't even recognize yourself. Be a lifelong learner and decide to succeed. Grit, hope that helps. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com, that's timewithfitz.com, to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.